0: All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That was 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, as read from the English Standard Version. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. I'm Matt Colby. And I'm Tim Young. Our subject for this podcast is Bible versions. Now, you may be wondering, why are we talking about Bible versions in this podcast in the second episode? Because in the very first episode, we we basically said our mission statement, which was to get into the essential teachings of the Bible. How does that, What does this have to do with that? Well, if you are looking to study the Bible, one of the first decisions you're going to have to make is which version of the Bible you want to use as your main version of the Bible. And, and Tim and I in our own lives, have had to come to that decision and and look at the reasons behind why we might use one version over another, or when we might use, what circumstances we might use uh, one version of the Bible over another. And for this podcast, we had to ask ourselves the same question. What is going to be our main version that we read from in this podcast? And so this seemed to us like a natural subject cover towards the beginning of this podcast, so that... We're all on the same page in that we're equipping you, our listeners, with some of the knowledge to go ahead and select your own version of the Bible that works the best for whatever purposes you need it for. Does that make sense,
1: Tim? That totally makes sense. You know, we're talking about our tools, so when we're... Working with the Bible,
0: want to use right ones for the right reasons. Right. Yeah. uh,
1: I like how you've left us on a little cliffhanger because you haven't said which one we've chosen yet. No, it's good.
0: Oh yeah, stay tuned. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not going to say it until the end. (laughs) We'll say
1: which one we're going to be using as our main Bible. Yes. So and uh, we'll have a little ceremony. We'll say the winner is. Yeah. We'll. You might have figured
0: it out already if you've uh, been paying attention. (laughs) I'm not giving you any more clues. So. Anyway, there's a lot of versions of the Bible out there, Tim. And we know that that's mainly because the Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in some other ancient languages. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Way back when, when the prophets of old were writing down the word of God, inspired by God to write these things, they were Hebrews. And so they were writing and talking in ar- archaic form of Hebrew. If you go to the land of Israel today, they speak Hebrew, but it's very different from the Hebrew that they s- spoke thousands of years ago. Right. So this language you have to be able to take and understand in its archaic form and then translate it into English. And so you can imagine how difficult that is, but It's also how difficult it is to go from one thought process, you know, culturally, socially, this is how they thought, and put that into our context in the 21st century, into an English frame of mind to understand these things. Now, that was the Old Testament. It was written in Hebrew, for the most part, if we want to get technical about it, there is also some passages that are in aramaic
0: right not not many but a few
1: not many but a few and that's that's interesting I have here in my notes it's 250 verses so yes that's but well, that's out of a total of like 23,000 in the old testament
0: right so you you see that in context right <laughs> so, you realize yeah. how few it is
1: biblical aramaic so you've got another language to deal with and then by the time the new testament comes around Which is hundreds of years after the the Old Testament. Yes. The main language, what do you call it? The lingua franca. There you go. Wow. Of the day and age. Well, good for you. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Was Greek. And again, we have uh, different versions of Greek. And this was Koine Greek. That's right. That they were speaking. So this this is back in the years like 300 BC, 300 years before Christ, before the Common Age, and 300 years after. Christ. They were speaking this type of Greek. So as biblical scholars, when we want to get back to the uh, original languages, we have to understand that we have to deal with Hebrew and we have to deal with Greek. So that's going to be the subject of our next podcast is looking at how we dig a little bit deeper into those original languages as right. Bible students. right. Because uh, you and I don't speak Hebrew or Greek. No, unfortunately not. We know the tools where we can get in and we can talk about these things. So that's the background of our our Bibles. And so this is why when you go into a Bible bookstore and you look at the wall of all these different kinds of Bibles and all these different translations, they're trying to translate from Hebrew and from Greek into English. Right. But still, it's kind of... It's it's interesting how there's so many different versions.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll give an example of that. There are different philosophies, different schools of thought when it comes to translating the Bible. One of the difficulties comes from the fact that these languages, the ancient Hebrew and the ancient Greek, are what are referred to as dead languages, which mm. means that there's no community in the world today that currently speaks those languages. They've they've not been used in sort of the common vernacular for a very long time. And so there's an entirely dedicated field of study just to learning the intricacies of those languages. And so that's where we come to the different types of Bible translations. So there's, there's different schools of thought, different types of translations from the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek into modern languages like English, the English that you and I speak today. So here are the three sort of broadly defined categories of the types of Bible versions that are out there.
1: So these are the philosophies. These behind, are the
0: philosophies, not the it. versions themselves. Because if you walk into a Bible bookstore and you, you'll see how many different versions of the Bible there are, are on the shelf, it may seem a little bit overwhelming. So we're going to try to help you understand, you know, sort of pare it down and, and put these into categories so you understand the philosophy behind how they were translated. So of those philosophies, they're, they all fall into sort of three categories, which are kind of a spectrum. So if you imagine it as a spectrum, sort of like an odometer on a car from the left to the right. And on the left-hand side, we'll put word-for-word translations of the Bible, or we might call it a, a literal translation of the Bible. So yeah. these are Bible translations that make every effort to retain both the word order, and the sentence structure of the original Hebrew and Greek. So they're trying to be as accurate as possible, which is very difficult to do because they're different languages, and there's always and something that's lost in translation, right?
1: Yeah. So, Matt, I have a what's called an interlinear Bible. Right. Where it has the original language on one line and the exact... Uh, English words right underneath it.
0: So it's it's very interesting to see where there are gaps, right? Sometimes yeah. there may be it, no direct equivalent.
1: Right. And if you read it, the English, the word for word, it often doesn't make any sense because yeah. the words are all jumbled. They're out of order and, and those That's kind of right. things. So, but it's very like one for one. That's like the extreme aspect of uh, literal word for word
0: translation. Exactly. So even a literal word for word translation is still trying to put the sentences in order and the words in order in a way that you and I can understand it in the yeah. language that we speak today. So don't think that it's just this jumbled mess that you can't understand. It's still very readable for us today. That's right. the point. While at the same time trying to stick as much to the original languages as possible. So that's, that's on sort of the left-hand side of the spectrum that we're painting, a word-for-word translation. So if we go to the far other side, so to the right-hand side of the spectrum, you have what we might call a paraphrase translation, right? This is a translation that is written with modern language and figures of speech that we might use today to try to capture the thought or the essence behind the original text. So the further to the right you go on the spectrum, the more they're leaving behind any effort to try to be as accurate to the literal text as possible, and the more they're trying to speak in the language that we speak today, to the extent that they'll use figures of speech that we might use today to try to give us a better idea of what the original writers were trying to get across, right? Yeah,
1: what they were thinking, yeah. Yeah. In terms that we can understand.
0: Right. So so those are the two sort of polar opposites. And then in the middle you have
1: oh wait, wait a minute because you were saying that at the, the extremes it almost reminds me of a political like conservative to liberal <laughs> oh sure <laughs> and that was I,
0: <laughs> I see yeah no it was not my intent to paint it in that way <laughs> but it is like although that. it is of, a little bit like, like that, that yeah. yeah it's true So in the middle then yeah the uh, the, the moderates should moderates. we call them the moderates yeah, in the middle yeah. we, we'll call these uh, they're generally referred to as a thought for thought translation. So it's kind of walking the line between a literal translation and a paraphrase translation. I've,
1: I've heard the word dynamic too.
0: Okay. Dynamic I like that. Dynamic yeah. yeah. That's a good word for it. And the, the general goal then is to try to produce in the language of the reader, so f- in English for you and I, the closest equivalent both in the meaning and the style of a translation from the original languages. Mm-hmm. So you're, they're trying to sort of have a little bit of both. They're still making an attempt yeah. to follow the literal translation to an extent, but they will vary from that if, if it will help in our understanding of it and, and perhaps use some more modern language to, to give us an idea. Trying to get
1: the best of both worlds.
0: Exactly. Now, having painted that spectrum, you can probably imagine that there are uses for all of these different philosophies of translation, depending on what you want to get out of the Bible, right? And there's probably a place f- for a lot of these different translations, depending on where they fall in the spectrum. But Tim, what are some examples? What are some examples of word-for-word translations, literal well, translations of the Bible? Let
1: me do this. Let me just, I'll, sh- I'll shoot a couple translations at you. Okay. Yeah, let's do and that. And tell me your impressions of where these fall. Sure, sure. And we'll, we'll get a little bit of feeling for these different translations. Sounds good. So let's, the first one in the English language has to be the King James Bible. Sure. Where okay. does that fall?
0: So the King James Bible falls pretty squarely or pretty far to the left on our spectrum. It is definitely a word for word. Would
1: that be the left or the right? I don't know.
0: Well, okay. If, <laughs> if you're equating this to to uh, po- political views today, then I suppose it would be on the right <laughs> rather than the left. This is where our, that analogy falls down. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's leave that behind. <laughs> let's forget about that, whether it's the left or the right. And I'll say that that it's definitely a word-for-word translation of the Bible, a literal translation of the Bible. The King James Version of the Bible was a monumental achievement. And it's yeah. it's also the I believe the oldest translation of the Bible that's still commonly read today, right? So it's over 400 years old. I believe it was 1611. It's incredible that it was published. Bible
1: translation will last that long.
0: It's it's amazing, and it was revised in 1769, and the you can actually see the difference there. The, The version that we read today is still the King James version, but the the original 1611 version we probably wouldn't be able to understand it. The, right. the English that it's written in was was so antiquated by our standards that they we wouldn't be able spell to understand. even kind of spelled things a little bit different. Yeah, that's right. Whereas the version that we have before us today is is pretty understandable. It does still use some language that's difficult for us. Like the us. these and thous. The these and thous. Well, that's where the New King James comes in right that's where the new king james comes in do you know what year the new king james was published i don't have that i don't have it at the top of my. okay life. well it's Google newer it. it's newer than the old king james yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more modern language so and that so that's where the new king james sort of fills that gap um, well they get rid of the these and thou's with yes. us
1: and they just try to stay true to the original right but get rid of all that kind of old archaic kind of things that Can be in the New, in the King James.
0: That's right. That's exactly right. So the King James falls in the literal literal side of the spectrum.
1: I mean, I'll give you another one here. This is a very popular Bible, the
0: NIV. Right. Okay. I think the NIV is the most commonly used Bible today or the most popular. Yeah. New International Version. The New International Version. And that kind of falls in the middle of this spectrum. Okay. That's sort of a thought for thought or a dynamic yeah. translation, as you said. It's kind of in the middle. Right. Right. What else you got for me?
1: How about the message?
0: Okay. Yeah, the <laughs> message. So the message is very much a paraphrase translation. I, I'm not aware of a version that falls further in, the, in that <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> yeah. I was right. going to say to the right, but whichever <laughs> yeah. way your spectrum falls. To um, right left. The, to the left, then the message. Uh, the message is is a paraphrase's paraphrase. It's uh, yeah. very very far to the left.
1: How about the ESV, the English Standard Version?
0: Ah, uh, okay. Well, we're so we're going back to the other side. Then the ESV, like the King James Version, is is what we would call a literal or a word for word okay. translation of the Bible.
1: Right. Uh, another one of my favorites, the Net Bible, New English translation.
0: Yeah, the Net Bible is great. I know you and I both like yeah. the Net Bible. It falls in the middle. It's more of a dynamic or a thought for thought translation. The really nice thing about the Net Bible is the notes. I love the notes that are included. Yeah. So the Net Bible was produced by a, a I think quite a large group of scholars who had to come to, you know a consensus on a lot of different passages of the Bible. But what's really nice about the Net Bible, which I think it stands for the New English Translation, right? That's the acronym. The Net Bible Notes, the translators have included in the margins of that Bible their notes on why they came to certain conclusions on a passage. So even though their translation might read a certain way... On every single verse in the Net Bible, you can then go and see why they came to that conclusion. And if there were possible other ways it could have been translated, yeah. they explain what those possibilities are. They they explain why they came to the conclusions they did, but they also tell you why another translation might also be valid. And it allows you a lot of insight into the minds of the translators who who are experts at these languages and have come to various conclusions. So the Net, the Net Bible is a really good study yeah. tool.
1: I found that even though it's thought for thought, often the literal will be in the margin. Yes, that's so right. You, you have kind of everything there.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh,
1: another popular one is uh, the NLT or the New Living Translation. I see a lot of those. Yes. Uh, Where would you put that
0: one? That would definitely be a paraphrase translation. It's um, certainly not quite as radical as the message when right. it comes to paraphrasing, but it still definitely falls squarely in the, yeah. the category of a paraphrase yeah. translation.
1: Ter- in terms of paraphrase, which I think are helpful, that's probably my favorite one I refer to. Yeah, in, yeah. The it's, the a, it's a pretty good
0: one. Let's let's do something here, Tim. Okay. Let's give an example of a a verse, the way that it, the same verse translated across the spectrum of translations.
1: Okay. Right, this will be fun. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go?
0: Well, I think a good a good example would be Psalm chapter one and verse one. Okay. Which is a pretty well known verse. Let, let's read it from probably. The, the furthest right on our spectrum, <laughs> which it would be probably the King James version of the Bible. Yeah. So I'm going to read Psalm 1 verse 1 from the King James version of the Bible, and then maybe you can pick sort of a thought-for-thought translation and read Psalm 1 verse 1 from that translation, okay. and then we'll do the same thing for a paraphrase translation. How's that cool. sound? Yeah. Okay. Psalm 1 verse 1, here it is in the King James. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners... Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So that was the King James. Right. What have you got? Well, for I can
1: us? tell it's the King James because it's got all those ifs at right. the end. Yep. But you can understand it. Mm-hmm. This is the thought for thought. We've chosen the Net Bible.
0: Okay, great.
1: And this is the way it reads How blessed is the one who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the assembly of scoffers.
0: That's good. Okay. And you can see a number of the words there were different. A number of yeah. the key words in that verse are different between the King James and the Net Bible. And I would say generally, for this using this verse as an example, uh, the Net Bible is definitely easier to understand, right? We, I think yeah. we're getting the message a little bit clearer
1: Right. from but the
0: Net Bible in this case. Right. In this
1: case, but the interesting thing is that like in the very first sentence, they don't use the word walk, mm, okay. which literally have this idea of walk. But in their notes, they say it's to walk is has this idea of you know giving advice, walking together. So, kind of so,
0: so there's where they've strayed from the yep. literal nature of the translation. They didn't use walk, even though that was the most literal interpretation, because they said, well, it sort of means a little bit more than that. Right. And so they chose to uh, translate that in the way that they felt it should—the the meaning of it should actually be portrayed.
1: And that's where, that's what's interesting too, because in the literal you have three different aspects: you have uh, walk, stand, and sit. Right. In the three senses. Right. Yeah. But here they've—they don't have the word walk, so you yeah. just have stand and sit, and you kind of you lose kind of the poetical kind of aspect of it.
0: And that's another nice thing about the King James is of all the Bible versions, it's probably the most poetic. Right, very dramatic, and it it lends a certain amount of gravity to the weight of of the words a lot of the time. Yeah. So, all right, this is going to be fun. I'm going to read you (laughs) Psalm 1 verse 1 from the message translation. This is a paraphrase. This is a paraphrase translation from the message, which is about as far left as you're going to get. And I love this. Psalm 1 verse 1 from the message. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at Sin Saloon, you don't slink <laughs> along dead-end road. You don't go to smart-mouth college. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, but definitely yeah, definitely not literal. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> the opposite of literal. And they've, they've gone so far as to insert their own figures of speech yeah. every step of the way, which are nothing like the figures of speech that were used in the original language. But you see where they're going, right? right. They're trying to paint the picture in such a way that you remember it. And then you get the point. Right. Right. So. Although it's a pretty dramatic departure <laughs> yeah. from the original language.
1: And so, yeah, that message uses a lot of slang, which sometimes to me just seems a bit irreverent sure. to the original. Right. But it, yeah, paraphrases are helpful because they kind of really bring out the thought or the feeling behind it. But you have to realize that they're giving very much their interpretation of a passage yeah, rather than the, the way that it literally reads. But that's the hard thing about languages. They have idioms. Yes. They have uh, ways of saying things. So we, we might say a chip off the old block. Right.
0: But, but we said that, we say that 2,000 ancient, years ago. Yeah, nobody would understand right? what In their mean. language, and they're like, what?
1: But they, they have the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And I ran into one of these just last night at Bible class. Okay. We were studying Exodus. It was talking about in the King James, it says, those who came out of the loins of Jacob. Yeah, right. Think it came out of the loins. Well <laughs> the the word loins there is the word thigh.
0: Yeah.
1: But in the more modern translation it just says the descendants of Jacob. Right. But which yeah. is really what it is. It's also one of those kind of wonderful times that the King James is very literal. Right. Because the it's coming from the Hebrew, which true, means true. the thigh yes. of Jacob. Right. That's yeah. the literal idiom behind it, and you think thigh and It starts you down a pathway of looking at maybe the thighs in scripture and realizing that it was an important part of thought of the Hebrews. And in Genesis, Jacob actually tells Joseph, put thy hand underneath my thigh. Right. And you start really oh, there's the thigh again. So that's one of the benefits of a literal
0: translation. Yeah. There are so many Bible themes that will be lost if you depart from a literal translation. Right. So that brings us, I think, to the sort of a conclusion of our thoughts today, because we wanted to arrive at a version that we're going to use for this podcast, right? Right. And I, I suppose I should say that this doesn't necessarily mean we're telling you this is the version you should use, right. but we do recommend this version. Okay, should we just go ahead and say it, Tim? Mm, Drumroll. roll. Yep. Uh, we like the English Standard Version. That's the version right. we're going to use for this podcast for, I think, two reasons. We like one that it's written in the common vernacular. So this is this would be the biggest challenge with the King James, which we also really like, and, yeah, and both of us of are very familiar it. with the King James. But it's sometimes difficult to understand just because mm-hmm. it's written in a outdated language. The ESV doesn't have that problem for the most part, but also it's a very good example of a word for word literal attempt at a translation of the Bible. Yes. Right. And so for those two reasons, that's why we've arrived at the English Standard Version. As sort of the the main version, if you hear us reading from a version, we don't say what version it is, you can assume it's the English Standard Version of right. the Bible, right? But we'll also say that whatever version you choose is your baseline version, don't just use that version right. if you're going to do Bible study.
1: Right. I will say that my baseline study Bible is still the King James because I believe it preserves the best literal reading and captures some of those surprising echoes that I've already given an example for. And I'll use that as my baseline, but I'll also refer to the ESV, New King James, the New American Standard Bible, because they're all very literal Bibles. But then I'll go on down the line. You'll look at the Net Bible, especially the notes and the NIV and get into paraphrases from there. But you really, I really think you should start from the most literal to the paraphrase.
0: So, We would definitely encourage you to not only have one version of the Bible. You need to pick a baseline version, but always compare translations to help you in your Bible study. Another thing that we should say to you is there are some Bibles that have uh, only the New Testament. Have you seen those? Yes. Yeah. So it's missing more than half. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we would not recommend those. You want a complete Bible. The, right, absolutely. The, the general, if you understand the full context of the Bible, Old Testament and New, then you'll start to understand that the Old Testament is absolutely critical to your understanding of the New Testament and to understanding the purpose of God in general. So so definitely make sure you get a Bible that has both the Testaments, Old Testament and New Testament.
1: I found, too, that another thing that confuses people when they go to the Bible shelf or the Bible bookstore is how many different ones have commentaries with them. Sure. They're like called study Bibles. Right. Yeah. And so you'll not only have the King James, the new international version stuff, but it'll be somebody's like the women's study Bible or the Schofield's study Bible. Right. I would can steer away from those two as your main Bible. Because sure. you're tending to get one person's interpretation on different scriptures. It's always good yeah. to have a study Bible that can be very helpful. Right. Use it
0: as a resource. But Use not, it as a resource. But not your main Bible.
1: But you're not your main Bible, because yeah. you want to approach the Word of God by
0: yourself. Sure.
1: And yeah. come to your own conclusions, and then yeah. start reading other, what other people have to say about different passages.
0: Yeah. Good point. Good, good. point. So I think that wraps up this session. What do yeah. you think, Tim?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's been fun.
0: It has. It has. And I, I hope... <laughs> and I,
1: I just want to congratulate the ESV Bible. I think we're so proud yes, of it, that yes. you actually uh, won the award.
0: Yes, I know I know the translators would be so thrilled to hear that. <laughs> so, thrilled about using the ESV. <laughs> so prestigious <laughs> to have been picked by this podcast. All right. All right thanks very much, Tim. Right. We'll see you next time.
1: And so, dear listener, we bid you farewell for now. But we'd love to hear from you. You can go to www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out that contact form. It would be super if you could give us some comments or questions, and we'd love to use them for future shows. If you're on Facebook, then search on the Essential Bible Studies podcast and like our page and comment there. You can also stay up to date on Instagram and Twitter. And did you know we're on Spotify too? It's our hope that you enjoy this so much that you'll share it with friends and family. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until we meet again, dear friends, I pray to God that you may grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.